Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church, located in Newberry, Florida, where Rocky McKinley is our lead pastor. Thanks for tuning in. Here's today's message. Last week, we began this series called The Power of Punctuation. It was Senior Honor Day, and we, we started this series. And I told you that just as punctuation marks are placed along the highways of our communication, God punctuates our everyday lives to control speed, provide direction, and even to prevent head-on collisions. We looked at Exodus chapter 13, where God had the Israelites take the long route to the promised land rather than the short direct route. Um, They had everything that they needed when they left Egypt and and everything they needed to win the battle. Um, the, The Bible tells us that they had everything that they needed except one thing. They did not have the right mindset. And that's what we were talking about last week is, is, is sometimes God is going to have to take you on the long route to get to your promise because he's got to change your mindset. And, and God right now, maybe ha- he may have some of you on a longer route to your promised destination because he is preparing you. And so I told you, I said, don't put a period where God put a comma. Uh, we've all read that. We have seen that. But also don't put a comma where God has placed a period. We need to learn to stop, and we need to learn to, 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 to hesitate and seek the Holy Spirit on certain issues. I told you that God punctuates our purchases, and he punctuates our plans. He punctuates our relationships, and then he allows you to punctuate the praise. After we have learned to pause with life's commas and obey life's periods, we then get to provide heaven's exclamation marks as we exclaim his praise. But it is only those people who have learned to pause and to learn to stop and have learned to obey God's punctuation plan for our life. When you understand that, that's when you get to punctuate the praise. That is a great feeling. It's a wonderful feeling. And, and, and I, I encourage everybody in the room, start listening and, and obeying the punctuation marks that God is putting in your life. Now, let me ask you this question. How many of you have ever been asked to do something or go somewhere and you were not informed of all the details? Let me see your hand. Yes, it happens. It happens numerous times in my life. I have been spared the details only to find out that I probably needed to know the details beforehand. And and this week I got to thinking about that a little bit and thinking back over my life about certain situations I found myself in that I did not have all the details that I, I needed before it was over. And when I was about 15 years old, I went kneeboarding on the Suwannee River with, with some of my friends. It was something that we would do throughout the summer. And uh, when the river was high, we would put two people on the front of the boat to point out the debris that was in the water. Maybe you've, you've experienced this. Maybe this is a routine that you have. But when the river is high, sometimes it will bring in the debris and logs and things like that into the water. And so we put two people on the front to point out those items so that the kneeboarder would not run into it. And so there was this one particular day, the river was extremely high, and it, because it was so high, we were staying pretty much directly behind the boat. We were not going out on the sides like we normally would and, and not trying to be daredevils because it, it was just dangerous out there. And so I remember I was right behind the boat. It was kind of boring because nobody likes to stay right behind the boat, at least not for a long time. And, and so I'm staying right behind the boat, and all of a sudden, the two people on the front and everybody inside the boat, they start pointing underneath the boat 
underneath the boat. And I'm thinking, okay, the boat driver just went right over the top of a log that's floating in the river. And I just thought for a moment, I'm going to add some excitement to this. You know, I'm going to show off a little bit because I'm not one for uncontrolled risk. That's not me. I like things to be calculated. And, and, um, but, but if I can be a part of a controlled wow factor, then, then that's all right. I'll do that. And, uh, and, and so to get a laugh, I decided here's what I'm going to do. When that log pops up from underneath that boat, I'm just going to bump it really quick with my knee board and, and then we'll keep going down the river. And so that, that was the plan and everything played out, man. It was just perfect. They're pointing underneath the boat. I think this to myself really quickly. The log pops up. All of a sudden I hit it really quick and we keep going down the river. You thought I fell off, didn't you? That's what you thought. We keep going down the river and everything was great and all that. A little ways down river, I fall off. They circle back around. They pick me up. And everybody is just going berserk. They're all going nuts. And I'm like, what's the deal? And they said, that wasn't a log that you hit. I said, well, what was it? They said, it was a gator. <laughs> I was like, really? Really? It was, it was a gator and you just pointed under the boat? That's all you did? We live near the University of Florida. We all know the gator chomp. Couldn't you be in the boat doing this, pointing underneath the boat? Wouldn't that make more sense? Because that is how you inform somebody. I did not have all of the necessary information that I needed to make an informed decision on whether or not I was going to bump that log or gator. Details would have been nice. When I was about 18 years old, I was working for this lawn maintenance company. And the, the owner picked me up. Some of you have heard parts of this story before, and I'll make it short, but the owner picked me up one morning and told me, we're going to mow today at a trailer park. All day long, we're going to be mowing at this particular trailer park. And so I, uh, I came prepared to work, and we're pulling the trailer behind his truck, and we pull into the gates of the trailer park. We pull up by the front office. He goes inside the, the main office to talk with the owner of the trailer park, and I'm just stuck sitting in the truck. When all of a sudden, down the little dirt road in between all of the little mobile homes, this guy comes walking and he is wearing a too short t-shirt, flip-flops, and a hat. And that's all. <laughs> a too short t-shirt, flip-flops, and a hat. And it was at that moment that I realized that I did not have all of the necessary information that I needed to make a decision on whether or not I was going to work that day. Because he had failed to inform me that we were actually mowing grass in a nudist colony. That's where we were at. We were in a nudist colony. And that everybody that lives there is over the age of 55. Because at 18 years old, I might have went to work even if it was a nudist colony. But if they told me everybody's over the age of 55, no offense if you're over the age of 55, but I just didn't want to see it. And so I probably would not have went to work that day, but I did not have all of the necessary information. There was information that was omitted from me, information that I needed to make a good, educated decision on whether or not I was going to go work. You know, life just seems better when you have all the details, that's the way we want it, right? 
Life just seems better when we've got all of the details. Knowing the details ahead of time helps you to see what you're actually getting into. The details can help you make informed decisions. The details can keep you from getting in over your head. The details can push you toward the finish line. If you know what you're working for, if you know where you're heading, then the details can help you get there. It can give you the motivation that you need at times. And in English punctuation, there is a very useful tool that many people have used, but few actually know its name. It's called the ellipsis. Or maybe you refer to it as dot, dot, dot. The Merriam-Webster Online Dictionary defines it as a sign used in printed text to show that words have been left out. It's derived from a Greek word that means omission. An ellipsis can be very useful when you're quoting material and you want to omit some words, not necessarily changing the meaning of the quote or meaning of the passage, not necessarily changing it, but only including what you need to get your point across. For instance, if I was quoting Abraham Lincoln's Gettysburg Address, I might type something like this. Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation, dot, 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 dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. You get the gist of it. You understand where that came from. You understand the quote. Even though I took out part of the quote, you know exactly what I mean by that. Or maybe if I was quoting a verse like Jeremiah 29 and 11, and I only needed the beginning and the end. For I know the plans I have for you, dot, 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 plans to give you hope and a future. You understand what I'm trying to say because I have properly used the ellipsis. Or if I was quoting the great American poet, Vanilla Ice, <laughs> I might say something like, all right, stop, collaborate, and listen Ice is back with my brand new invention, dot, dot, dot. To the extreme, I rock a mic like a vandal, light up a stage and wax a chump like a candle, <laughs> period. You get it. You understand it, right? I didn't quote the whole verse, but I included the beginning and I included the end of it. You understand what I'm talking about. And that is how you use dot, dot, dot. That's how you use an ellipsis. You don't have to include all of the unnecessary details. Now, I've noticed that with my walk with God, that God does not always give me all of the details. I've noticed that when God asks me to step out on faith, that very seldom does he give me the details of the whole journey. Most of the time, if not all of the time, God requires me to take that first step, but often I don't know where I'm heading, what I'm doing, what it's going to look like, what it's going to be like when I get there. God omits all of that. God keeps me living most of the time in the dot, 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 and I don't understand why, but, but I do know this. God always has a purpose for not telling us everything that we need to know or everything that we think we need to know. 
And some of you, you're living in the dot, dot, dot right now. And and you're walking around confused and trying to figure out, God, where are you in all this? God, what's going on? God, where where have you left me? I mean, trust me, I've been there at times. There's been moments, even being your pastor, that I, I looked up to heaven and said, God, you dropped me off in Newberry, and now you've just left me here? What, what is going on, God? Why do you have me here? What is my purpose, and what are you doing in my life? And there's always a reason why God has you in the dot, dot, dot. God's word is full of people that God spared them from the details. God gave Joseph a dream that that one day he would be a political leader, even ruling over his father and his mother and his brothers. But what God did not tell him is that he would first be sold into slavery by his jealous brothers. What God did not tell him is that he would be sentenced to prison for a crime that he did not commit. And that years later, even decades later, he would eventually become that political leader. When he called Moses to lead the Israelites out of captivity, God did not tell him all of the details. When he first called him, God did not tell him about the plagues. No. When he first called him, God did not tell him about the Red Sea. When God called him, he didn't tell him that that they're going to grumble and mumble against you. And and he didn't tell him that that I'm going to have to provide manna from heaven, quail from heaven. He said, I'm not going to tell you that one day they're all going to get thirsty and I'm going to use you one time to hit the rock and water come forth. And the next time they get thirsty, I'm not going to tell you that this time I'm going to have you speak to the rock. But I'm not going to tell you that you're going to disobey me and and you're going to hit the rock anyway. He doesn't tell Moses all of those details and he certainly didn't tell him that this is going to be a 40-year journey wandering in the wilderness. And, and, and after all of that, Moses, even though you led them out of captivity, you're still not going to see the promised land. He didn't tell him all that. He didn't. And today, I want us to look at two men in the Bible that they simply just didn't have all the details. We're going to look at one in the Old Testament. So I want you to turn with me to Genesis chapter 22. And then we're going to turn over in a few moments and we're going to read about one in the New Testament. Two different men, two different aspects of why God may spare you the details. And we're going to talk about those two things today. Genesis chapter 22. I'm going to start reading at verse 1. After these things, God tested Abraham. Now stop right there because this already messed me up. Because it's words like that in the Bible that bother me. God tested Abraham. You see, I always want God to be my deliverer, my provider. I always want God to always bring about the good things that I need for my life. And I know that eventually he does. But it's the words like test that really seem to bother me sometimes. Because nobody ever wants to be tested Parents, you ever had your children test your patience? You don't want to be tested. Students in the room, some of you going through finals right now, do you really enjoy the test? Do you you like it? I mean, nobody wants to be tested. But right here it tells us, towards the beginning of your Bible, it tells us that there are moments in life when God will test people, test people that trust in him. And it says, after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, And he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, 
and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering as one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Now get this. He says, I want you, here's your test. I want you to take your son, your only son, the one that was sent from heaven, the promise that I made to your life. I want you to take that only son and I want you to go sacrifice him. Now start on your journey, take this first step of faith. And by the way, I'm not even telling you which mountain you're gonna do this on. It might be the one that's right around the corner. It might take you 10 minutes to get there. It might take you 10 days or 10 years, but I'm not telling you where I'm sending you. I'll let you know on the journey. And so he says, offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son. And he took his hand, and, and, he, and he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they both, so they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father Abraham, My father, and he said, Here I am, my son. He said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went both of them together. When they came to the place of which God had told them, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. There's two points that I want to give you to share with you today. The first one is this. God will leave out the details to test your faith. There are moments in your life that God will not give you all of the details, all of the information that you may want because he is simply testing your faith. I mean, I, I want you to really think about this. It, it would have been very different if, if Abraham would have heard God say something along these lines. Abraham, I want you to go and tell everybody that I'm testing your faith. I'm asking you to sacrifice your son. Let make sure everybody knows this because I want everybody to remember you as a great man of faith. But, but Abraham, here's what's going to happen. When we get up on top of that mountain, I'm going to provide a ram in the thicket and, and everything's going to be okay. If he shared with him all of that information, all of it is truth. He is remembered as a great man of faith. God did provide a ram in the thicket. But if he provides all of that information, Abraham really isn't walking in faith. I mean, what good is faith if you're not asked to step out on it sometimes and you have nothing, absolutely nothing to hold on to? There's no proof. There's nothing there. It, it is, it's not faith when you already know the outcome ahead of time. These are the moments when it looks bad, but you hope for a turnaround. 
You walk by faith and not by sight. That's where Abraham was at. God, I'm hoping that you provide. He even looked at the men that were traveling with him, the two servants, and he said, you, you guys stay here with, with the donkeys. You guys stay right here. Uh, me and the boy, we're going up. And he tells them, read your Bible. He says, we'll come back. Even though it looked dark, even though it looked like God is requiring me to kill my son, he has faith that the two of them are going to come back. He didn't know the details, didn't understand all of it. Even his son looks at him, he says, Dad, we've got wood, we've got fire, but, but where's the lamb? What are we going to sacrifice? He looks at his son and says, don't worry about it, son. God will provide the sacrifice. God will take care of it. He had faith in that. Abraham was walking in a total trust that God would provide even when he didn't have all of the details of what God was going to do. Then you turn over to the New Testament in Hebrews chapter 11. It's the faith chapter of the Bible. It's the hall of fame of faith where it talks about all the Old Testament saints that trusted God with their lives. Total trust. And you read about Abraham. And in verse 17, it says this. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. Listen to verse 19. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. You see, Abraham, by faith, was convinced that God would come through. He just didn't know the details. He just did not know how. And in his mind, the absolute worst-case scenario was, I'll sacrifice, I will prove my faithfulness to God. He will know that I can be trusted with his promise. And if I do that, if I sacrifice him, I've got enough faith to know that God can raise him from the dead. That's what Hebrews chapter 11, it was letting us get into the mind of Abraham a little bit, that even though he didn't have all the details he knew that God was able and God will intentionally leave out the details to test your faith and nobody likes it nobody likes to be tested but there's always a reward after your faith has been tested not only would Isaac get to live but the promise of being a father of nations would come to pass through that bloodline God will leave out the details to test your faith. And finally, God will leave out the details because you can't handle the details. If God told you everything that you had to go through in your life, man, some of you would have a heart attack and fall over dead right here. Stress would consume you if you knew everything that you're going to have to go through. If God shared with you all of the details of every aspect and every step that you're going to take, some of you would be so anxious to finally reach that blessing that you would miss the maturing process that God has you on to get you there. God will leave out the details because you can't handle all of the details and these are the moments when it looks better than what it will become so trust me today there there will be some of you in the room that, that life is going great right now but there are hardships right around the corner and, and, and somebody's going to look at me right now and you're going to think man you're just doom and gloom no no the testing of your faith brings about perseverance 
in Acts chapter 9, we see what happens when God leaves out the details because you can't handle the details. Verse 1 says, But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. Saul, who would become Paul, would have ran the other direction had God filled him in on all the details of what his Christian life would look like. In the end, we celebrate him. In the end, we look at his life and we think, man, what a great soul winner. What a great man of faith. God allows him to write two-thirds of the New Testament. What a martyr. Man, this guy is tremendous. But if God would have filled him in on all the details at the moment of his conversion, at the moment he surrendered his life to Christ, I'm convinced that Saul would have never, ever amounted to anything in the kingdom of God. He would have probably ran the other direction. Because God didn't tell him that he was going to experience hunger and thirst. God did not tell him that he would be cold and naked. God did not tell him that there would be numerous nights where he would be sleep deprived. God did not tell him that he would be stoned and left for dead. God did not tell him that he would be beaten with rods three different times. God didn't tell him that he was going to receive 39 lashes across his back just like his Savior Jesus Christ. Five different times they would do that to him. God didn't tell him that he was going to be attacked by an angry mob. At the moment of his conversion, God didn't tell him that, that he was going to receive numerous death threats throughout his life. God didn't tell him that, that he would be shipwrecked three times and that one time he was going to have to basically dog paddle and stay afloat for 24 hours. God didn't fill him in on all that. God didn't tell him that, that the, the group of people that he was joining, the way, the Christians, he didn't tell him that there were going to be some of those Christians that would criticize him. God didn't tell him that he would be under arrest for two years without a trial. God didn't tell him that one time while he was shipwrecked that he was going to be bitten by a viper. God didn't fill him in on all of those details. No, no, because God knew what Paul was going to become. God knew what he was going to make out of his life. And God knew that some of those things early on in his immature faith, they would be deal breakers. There's no way that you're signing up for that right at the beginning. You don't let those details out of the bag in the beginning. But even after experiencing all of that, as he grew and matured in Christ, Paul still wrote these words to the church in Corinth, 2 Corinthians eleven twenty-eight, And he says, and apart from other things. In other words, after all that I've been through, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. The very thing that he hated the thing that he despised the most, the church of Jesus Christ, was the thing that he was willing to die for.
I can tell you this. From the, the first time I gave my heart to Christ, I was not willing to make some of the sacrifices I've made in my life to get to the point where I am today. God had to, had to mature me in some areas. God had to challenge me. He had to allow me to take some baby steps of faith in order for me to take giant leaps of faith later. God didn't tell Paul everything that he would have to go through because he couldn't handle knowing that in the beginning. Paul would learn to live in the dot, dot, dot. He would learn to be content living in the dot, dot, dot. We know this because in 2 Corinthians 12 and 10, Paul writes, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I've often wondered what I would have done had I known what our life together, Mandy and I, I, I wonder what I, would have done, what I would have done had I known the direction our life would go. And before you walk up to me after service and, and, and try and put your condemnation on me, I'm just letting you know as a 20-year-old man, if I knew then the things that I know now, I'm wondering if I would have had the integrity to go through what we went through. If you'd have told me before we got married, that just a few months after we got married that we were going to have to face cancer, that my wife was gonna have cancer, I want to tell you that I would have done the right thing and stood by her side. But God didn't tell me those details. If you would have told me that because of cancer and radiation that the doctors would look at her and say, you may never have children, even though I dreamed of having children. I want to tell you that if I knew that information ahead of time, that I would have still done the right thing. But God didn't tell me that. God didn't fill me in on all those details because he knew I probably couldn't handle those details. And it is only walking through the fire that we realize the healing power of Jesus Christ and our faith is made stronger and our love is made stronger. And so publicly, I'll tell you right now, I thank God he didn't tell me. Because had he told me, I might not have stuck around. I don't know, but I may not have stuck around. Had he told me, 
We might not know the love that we have today. Had he told me, we may not have been able to experience his healing power in her body and finally getting pregnant and the blessings that we have of Caleb and Kendall. So I thank God that he didn't give me all of the details of what my life was going to look like and what her life was going to look like because it probably kept me from running. Psalm 139 and 16 says, You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. I don't have to know all the details as long as he does. I don't have to know all the ins and outs, the whys, whats, and hows. I don't have to know all that as long as he does. And I've come to this place in my life where I realize that God is either testing you or sparing you the details because you can't handle the details. And if you feel like you're living in the dot, dot, dot right now, if you feel like that's where you're at, I want you to know you're either being tested or you don't need to know all of the details. But trust me, he does. He created it all. Every star, every planet, every being, every blade of grass he knows it all created it all and as long as the creator of the universe knows every aspect of it as long as he knows all the details trust me you don't need to and sometimes you don't even want to because he's keeping you from making a mistake thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC we pray you have been blessed by today's message we would love to meet you in person. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org or call the church office at 352-472-3284. Thanks again for listening. Destiny Community Church, for life's journey.